Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to have you with us here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Fun hour coming up. Phil Steele in just a few moments to really break down all the contenders in college football. He has seen them all in depth. He is the one guy that we turn to when it comes to something like that. And uh, we'll have Phil Steele in just a few moments. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. All right, it's time to stock up. It's a big weekend. Big, big weekend. Right, you've got Penn State, Ohio State tomorrow at three thirty, two o'clock the air time on News Radio ten seventy WKOK. The World Series tomorrow night, Eagles and Niners on Sunday, Sunday night Steelers and Lions. There's going to be some rain mixed in there. You want to stock up and stock up now at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. The best selection of imports, domestics, microbrews. Best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, lots and lots of snacks. And, of course, they roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. You go to the register, the bags are right there. Really well laid out store. Plenty of room to operate in there. Plenty of free parking. Plenty of help to get cases to the car. And, yes, I think we all know by now, and it's really starting to hit stride. People are talking about it. It's the pickle bar. It is indeed second to none. Led by the Barrels and the Dills. Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Don't forget, plenty of high school football coming up tonight. And Bucknell football coming up tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, Bucknell will play... Uh, at Colgate in Hamilton at 1 tomorrow, airtime 1230 on Eagle 107 with the great Doug Birdsong and, of course, Kevin Herr on hand for the call. It's on Eagle 107 tomorrow as Bucknell looks for its third consecutive win. High school football coming up tonight. What a great slate tonight. On Eagle 107 tonight, it is going to be Southern Columbia at Sealands Grove. It's going to be a fabulous one. Looking forward to it. Pat O'Brien, Ryan Brandt with the call. You'll have that beginning at 6 o'clock tonight with the airtime. 7 o'clock will be the kickoff. Then on 100.9 The Valley, it's the game for the Little Brown Jug, Mifflinburg, Lewisburg. That'll be a 7 o'clock kickoff, 6.30 airtime. And Milton at Chickalemi. Steve Williams with the WMLP call for Milton beginning at 6.30 with a 7 o'clock kickoff. And the award-winning Kevin Herr, along with the coach Dick Hort, will have the call of Chickalemi football on News Radio 1070 WKOK, 6.30 the airtime and 7 o'clock the kickoff. Looking forward to that. Big weekend in college football coming up that really got underway last night, which brings us to our play-by-play call of the day. Oregon State and Stanford last night. Oregon State 1-6 and six on the season. Oregon State, its only win and against an FCS team. No FBS wins. But they made the big mistakes that make you 1-7. and seven. 
because that's what they ended up being in the, when this was over with. End of the first half, need to just sit on the ball, get to the locker room, fumbled. Stanford got a field goal. Right, Get a big first down, trying to run the clock out at the end of the game. Big first down. Then they get the ball again. Stanford starting to use its timeouts. They fumbled again. 40-yard drive for Stanford down in this game, 14-9. Dave Fleming and Brock Heward with the call on ESPN. Under center, Christ, little jump ball. Arcega, white side, touchdown! Kid of two basketball players, looked like he was coming down with a rebound. And Corey sees it, he just as quick as he still is, as fast as he is, does not get in view of those officials, does not get it. Tried to call a timeout before the play, couldn't get it, and the two-point conversion, no good, by the way, for Stanford. But without Bryce Love, they won. They survived last night, 15-14, to the win at Reeser Stadium in Corvallis. Oregon State falls to 1-7, and despite giving a great effort last night. I watched that all the way to the end. And Stanford now goes to 6-2 and on the season. Bryce Love did not play last night because of an ankle injury. All right, now let's get the national viewpoint of what's happening in college football. There is no other source to go to other than the outstanding Phil Steele. Phil, welcome to the show. It's great to have you back. Hey, a real pleasure, Steve. Good to talk to you again. All right, so let's start with this. When you've watched Penn State, I want to take you through a series of teams that are in the thick of this thing. When you've watched Penn State, pro and con about them. You know, it's interesting. uh, With Penn State, I was writing an article for uh, ESPN in the preseason, and I had to point out the strengths and weaknesses of each squad. It's tough to come upon a weakness with Penn State. Uh, strengths, naturally, uh, let's start with Saquon Barkley. But I like Trace McSorley as well. I mean, he's a mobile QB that's hitting 67%, 14 touchdowns. They've got, still got receivers that will go up and get the ball, like Sean Hamilton. And defensively, what can you say about a defense that's leading the country in points per game allowed? Uh, question mark about the team and, and what I found tough to find a, a weakness. Let's go with the offensive line. I can't call a unit that's opening up holes for 5.0 yards per carry a weakness, but uh, that would probably be the weakest link, let's say, of a very good Penn State team that's complete throughout. Let me tell you a little story about the Penn State team real quick, and that is I've been talking to Coach Franklin each and every year for the four years he's been there, and the first year we went over the team, Penn State was basically one deep in my book. The second team was... Uh, not very good. This year when I went over the team with Coach Franklin, uh, four deep on the defensive line, four deep in other areas. So this is really a complete deep team. That's interesting you mentioned that because I know when Jack Ham and I would go to practice and getting our prep ready for a season, you know, years ago we'd go and look at the first team and would say, okay, okay, okay. Then we'd get to the second team and then we'd start listing the guys on the first team that couldn't get hurt. Now we, now we go out there and we see the first thing we notice is the third team. And yeah. that, that tells you a story and really goes along with exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Coach Franklin's done a tremendous job building this team. Saquon Barkley, just your quick observation. When you watch him, what are you seeing? I see a guy that if I'm an NFL scout, I'm drooling. I want this guy. I mean, he's got everything you want. He's, he can catch the ball in the backfield, return kicks. Uh, naturally, he's in a runner between the tackles, can run outside the tackles. He's got size, he's got strength, he's got speed. What's there not to like about Saquon Barkley? You know, last year, Leonard Fournette was the hot back coming out, but there's question marks about him as a pass receiver and other question marks as well. I think Saquon Barkley's the complete package. 
All right, now let's transition to the other side. And some, I'm going to ask you about some teams. And as I mentioned, fans get locked in and justifiably on their team. And there's a commitment to going to home games and so forth where it takes time. So they don't get a chance to watch a lot of teams, really. So Ohio State, when you've looked at Ohio State, you know what stands out about them pro and con? Ohio State has a lot of strengths as well. Uh, let's start with their con, and the con would be the defensive secondary. For years I've written in the magazine that doesn't matter that they lose three players to the draft. doesn't matter they lose four players to the draft. They'll be in the top ten right. of the pass efficiency. Well, this year they've had some flaws against the three decent quarterbacks they face. Uh, I'm talking about Indiana, Oklahoma, and Nebraska, and uh, they've allowed over 340 yards per game, and their defensive backs can be beat. The rest of the team, outstanding. I mean, that defensive line, one of the best in the country. At the start of the year, they weren't. When you look at the Oklahoma game, they didn't get the pressure you thought they would, but they're playing up to that level now, and really talent-wise, they're among the very best in the entire country. Offensive line playing well. They're averaging six yards a carry. They've only allowed 12 sacks. The receiving core is coming on between Campbell and Dixon. That would be the weak part of the offense would be the receiving core, but they are coming on. J.T. Barrett only has a 21-1 ratio right now, and he's a dangerous <laughs> runner. And then you got J.K. Dobbins, and he was replacing Mike Weber. Well, Mike Weber is like uh, he's on the bench because he lost his spot due to injury. 227 yards, 4.7. Dobbins is averaging 7.8 yards per carry. Uh, this is a really good Ohio State team, and one that's just dominating the opposition. I think a lot of people think they know about Alabama, uh, but they haven't watched them in part. Now, you've watched them. Okay? When you see Alabama, what are you seeing? You know, if I was going to pick a weakness on Alabama at the start of the year, go back to week one, You're right. I would have said, well, the last two years this team's gotten 50 sacks each year. They just lost too much pass rush off the defensive front seven. And you look at the first five games of the season, uh, or the first four games of the season, I should say, Alabama had just four sacks. So you're like, there you go. That's their weakness. That's their Achilles heel. Well, guess what? The last four weeks, 18 sacks. They've uh, sort of overcome that problem. They're tough against the run. They can get the sacks. They've got this tremendous secondary. One of the best offensive lines in the country, best set of running backs in the country. Jalen Hurts, who was the SEC Freshman of the Year last year, Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, receivers like Calvin Ridley, Jerry Judy. Uh, where where do you find a weakness right. now? Uh, it used to be the pass rush, but that's long gone. So uh, they're a complete team. I also think that when I look at Jalen Hurts, I think he's throwing the ball better this year. Am I right about that? Much better. much better. I like the way he's reading the defenses as well. Uh, last year I thought he struggled a little bit in reading defenses, but uh, much improved this year. All right. Now here's a team that a lot of people in this area would not know a lot about. What's made TCU so good? Defense. And it's hard to believe you All say right. that in the same word with uh, – a Big 12 team. But this is a Gary Patterson, that's his M.O., though. That's right. That's what Gary Patterson does. And, you know, last year when uh, I talked to Patterson, they had a very young defense. This year that defense not so young, and they're playing extremely well. Now, they gave up 499 yards to Oklahoma State, but that's actually 124 yards less than Oklahoma <laughs> right. State averages. Right. So it shows you how good that defense is. Then offensively, if I'm looking for an Achilles heel for TCU, it's Kenny Hill on a bad day. If Kenny Hill has a bad yeah. day, he can he can kill you. Well, Kenny Hill so far this year, 70%, 15 touchdowns, three interceptions. They've got the run game with Anderson and Hicks. And the receiving core last year led the nation in dropped passes. Well, guess what? That's been corrected. And they've got explosive guys like John Diars, John Rager, Cavante uh, Turpin, Demon White, or Devin White. They've got tons of talent there at the receiving core. 
So this is a complete TCU team. The Kenny Hill factor is probably the one weakness that you look at. Then there's the Big Ten Western Division factor. Uh, I'm, I, Jack, when uh, Nebraska played Wisconsin and Wisconsin won, I texted Jack and I said, uh, I think they just carried Paul Christ off the field. They clinched it. Uh, that was weeks ago. <laughs> uh, but when you see Wisconsin, you know, what, what's your overview of them? Yeah, and Steve, one narrative I want you to shoot down if any of your callers ever bring it up, and that's comparing this year's Wisconsin to that Iowa team that went unbeaten in 2015. Because neither team has played anybody, right? But that Iowa team in 2015 was getting past Iowa State. They got past Pitt by three. They got past Illinois. They got past Indiana. This Wisconsin team is just pummeling everybody. Yes. The major difference I find with this Wisconsin team and Paul Christ, and you go back to my magazine, if you read under the offensive section, I say, yep. hey, in Paul Christ's first year, this is a Wisconsin team that normally averages like 300 yards per game rushing and mm-hmm. six yards per carry. They only average 150 yards per game and 3.8 yards per carry, and you're scratching your head. Right. Those are not Wisconsin numbers. They were the weakest rush numbers since 1995. That's right. Last year, they improved to 4.3 and 200. Good numbers if you're Iowa. Good numbers if you're Michigan State, but for Wisconsin – Horrible numbers. Well, guess what? It's back. This year, they're averaging 5.5 yards per carry. Jonathan Taylor, a dynamic frosh. Fifth frosh in NCAA history to top 1,000 yards in seven games. The run game is there. Hornerbrook's not going to hurt you throwing the ball. He does have seven interceptions, but uh, it won't hurt you. And defensively, they are stout. They're holding their opponents to 131 yards below their season average, outgaining foes by close to 200 yards per game. This is not 2015 Iowa. This is a national title contender. I know that Taylor's going to get a lot of touches, so I understand that, Phil. But if there's one weakness I see in him is that he does have a tendency to put the ball on the ground too much. Yeah, and that coupled with the Hornerbrook interceptions have kept some games closer than you thought they would be. Like the Purdue game, for example. Totally dominate the game. 494 yards to 221, but that fumble at the end zone at the end allows Purdue to get a touchdown. All of a sudden, you only win by eight when they probably should have won that game by 24. And if you do that against Ohio State, then you're not going to just win by eight. Right, exactly. Notre Dame, is that as physical up front as you've seen Notre Dame in a while? Absolutely. That's a great offensive line. Now, do keep in mind, a lot of folks were just looking at Notre Dame for the first time last week. They were taking on a USC rush defense that was missing three of their top eight defensive linemen when it was playing an eighth straight week and rather banged up. But they just completely dominated. They've got... A pair of players on the left side who I've got my All-American team on the offensive line. Uh, you've got a quarterback that gas you running the ball. And then Josh Adams, the most <laughs> quiet Notre Dame running back that ever averaged 9.0 yards for carry. Uh, you know, 10 years ago, well, he'd be a Heisman frontrunner at this point. Right. You ask your callers, who's Notre Dame's leading rusher? I bet you less than half of them could say Josh Adams. But it's a loaded team. And defensively is where they've showed the biggest improvement this year. Steve, last year I thought that uh, they got run over at times. They allowed 4.1 yards per carry. And while the number's not greatly improved, it's 3.6, you could see it up front. Their defensive line's not getting pushed around this year. Again, they've got 18 sacks, so it's getting a lot better up front. In fact, they're holding opponents to 33 yards per game below their season average this year. And, Phil, is this in part that now you have to have the talent to do it, but Notre Dame's playing the style, especially offensively, that they've wanted to play for a while and now have the personnel to do it? Yeah, finally. And, uh, you know, Brian Kelly, is. It, I've seen him have pure passing teams and mm-hmm. pure running teams. So it shows you that uh, he can adapt, and, and they've got they got a good hire on the defensive side of the ball as well as the defense coordinator. All right. 
I have to ask you about Bryce Love because he's at Stanford. I know he's he's banged up. I know that a little bit right now. But you're also talking about uh, a lot of people here. Oh, they, how much they love Saquon Barkley. But Bryce Love has quietly gone out there and done his deal. Tell us a little bit about him, Phil. Yeah, I'm a Heisman voter, and I had the two dead even at the end of this past week. Now, Love, as you mentioned, is questionable to play tonight against Oregon State. And I think if he's questionable or not 100% and doesn't have the type of season he's been having, then they could be in trouble. But I'll go back to the Arizona State game. Uh, that was pretty much an even game between the two teams. Stanford had 17 first downs. Arizona State had 22. Uh, pretty even game except for Bryce Love. Uh, there's like five times Bryce Love got the ball and took it to the house. He's averaging 10.3 yards per carry. Uh, he's another guy that can hurt you on kick returns, uh, hurt you outside or inside running the ball. He's slighter than Barkley, probably not as fast, probably not as strong, but you can't argue with 10.3 yards per carry this year, which is what he's putting up. And he hasn't been doing it against chopped liver. I mean, San Diego State has good D. When they played USC, USC had a very good defense, wasn't as banged up. Arizona State's got a good D. So he's doing it against quality defenses as well. Now, he's got some big games coming up at Washington State, Washington, Notre Dame, and then maybe a USC and the Pac-12 title game. Those would all be games that could elevate him in the Heisman candidacy. Phil, you do so much research. You watch so much tape. To this stage of the season, anything that even surprises you a little bit and anything that disappoints you a little bit based on what you thought could happen? Well, disappointing would be two Florida teams, but there's in, you know some circumstances. Florida would be one of them. I had them as my number one surprise team uh, coming into the season. But ten, it, but ten suspensions are going to hurt anybody. Suspensions, you lose your top yeah. running back, top wide receiver, three of your top eight defensive linemen, and uh, you take ten players off a team. Ask Penn State when they were down ten, fifteen players <laughs> due to right. suspensions, uh, how it hurts, and and then they've had a recent spate of injuries at wide receiver, and they've lost a couple of one point games. A little on the aggravating side for me, but yes, Florida's been a disappointment in the fact that they're minus four yards per game. And then how about Florida State? I mean, I hate to call the elephant in the room. It's pretty obvious, but uh, Florida State to have four losses at this point of the season and be wondering if they're even going to make a bowl with all the talent they have. Now, I will say this. They have taken on the nation's toughest schedule year-to-date. I mean, Alabama, NC State, a very good Wake Forest team, Miami of Florida, Louisville. But they still should have won some of those games. So that would be the uh, the disappointing aspect. On the pleasant surprise aspect? Uh, I'm going to say Washington State's been more. No, let's go with Arizona and Arizona State. The yeah. two schools out there in the Pac-12. Arizona State, the difference between them last year and this year, last year they had about 20-plus players on the injury report. This year they've got two. And Arizona, Tate, a quarterback. I mean, he's yeah. averaging over 200 <laughs> yards per game rushing. And both those teams are expected to be at the bottom. They may be playing for the Pac-12 South title. So I, I'm really enjoying watching those two play. Phil, an absolute pleasure. Thanks for the time you carved out today. I think you gave the audience a great education. Thank you, Steve. A lot of fun, as always, and uh, good luck to you this weekend. Appreciate it, Phil. Thanks, Steve. The great Phil Steele. I mean, when it comes to breaking down games, he sees everybody. Now, as I said earlier, I said, how many of you have actually really watched Alabama this year? Have you seen TCU play at all? I mean, I mean in depth. And he was able to break down everybody for you because he does see everybody in depth. People will always ask me, do you get any preseason magazines to to look at teams? And I'll say, no, there's only one I get. That's Phil's. Uh, Because it's a year-round endeavor for him. And if you go back to the podcast, listen to that one key part. When I quote, when I talked with James Franklin, he calls coaches and talks with them. 
and gets their feel for what's going on with their respective teams. They respect him. They trust him. Obviously, so do I. So much respect for Phil. All right. Uh, final half hour, Neil Riddell. Penn State, Ohio State tomorrow, 3.30 the kick, 2 o'clock the airtime here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We head to the bottom of the hour. A lot of fun so far on the show today. Check it out on the Steve Jones Show podcast if you missed anything as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. SMC is where you want to be for your next new Ford during the annual Fall Ford Markdown event. SMC is where you want to be if you want 46 Ford Escapes to choose from starting under 20 grand. SMC is where you want to be for your next new Ford F-150. Choose from over 50 F-Series trucks starting at $23,994. Sunbury Motors has sold over 40,000 Ford trucks over the past 102 years. SMC is where you want to be if you want to buy a brand new Explorer for under 30 grand. 14 Explorers starting at $29,925. Every new Ford has deep discounts during SMC's annual Fall Ford Markdown event. Fusions, Focuses, and Fiestas are at the year's lowest prices. SMC is where you want to be if you want to save big money on your next new Ford. Sunbury Motors in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza. Sunbury. True refreshment can come in many forms, but it can only be found in one place, the Beverage Supermarket, Brewer's Outlet in Sunbury. Along with their great selection of beer, including imports and microbrews, they have lots of water, soda, fresh roasted peanuts, and an unbelievable variety of pickles at the pickle bar. Look for great deals on wine coolers and your favorite snacks, too. Get true refreshment all in one place, the Beverage Supermarket, Brewer's Outlet in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back. Final half hour of the show on this Friday brought to you by our great friends at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Stock up for a big sports weekend. Look, it's okay to be a couch potato. It's supposed to rain a little bit Saturday night into, sun, into Sunday. You can be a couch potato. Yeah, Penn State, Ohio State, 3.30 kickoff on Saturday, 2 o'clock the airtime on News Radio 1070 WKOK. You've got the World Series, Game 4 coming up. Game 3 tonight, Game 4 tomorrow night. Eagles and 49ers on Sunday. Sunday night, you've got the Lions and the Steelers. Got a big weekend coming up. Need to stock up. Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket, the place to do so. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. The bags are right there at the register. And the pickle bar, yes, is second to none led by the barrels and the dills. It is Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And I'm in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Holidays are coming up. You know what makes a great holiday gift? A car. There's only one place to deal with, and that's Sunbury Motors. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 
in Hummel's Wharf. All right, uh, sports bozo of the day. And the sports bozo of the day is Indomigan Sue. For whatever reason, can't control himself. Last night, Joe Flacco's already out of the game in concussion protocol because of a hit by Kiko Alonso on him. And then suddenly Ryan Mallett gets into it when he gets into the game. He gets into it with Indomigan Sue, who then chokes Ryan Mallett. Indomigan Sue, a repeat offender in the sports bozo of the day. All right, let's run down what's happening this weekend for you. Then Neil Riddell in a few moments. Uh, this is going to be fun. Tonight, great high school football action tonight. Eagle 107. You'll have Ryan Brandt, Pat O'Brien with the call. Southern Columbia and Sealands Grove tonight. That's going to be 7 o'clock kickoff, 6 o'clock airtime, Eagle 107. Don't forget Sean Carey after the game with the best high school football postgame show anywhere. I don't mean just here. I mean anywhere. No one does it better than my man Sean. Uh, Little Brown Jug game tonight. Lewisburg-Mifflinburg. 7 o'clock kickoff, 6.30 the airtime, and 100.9 in the Valley. Milton at Shikolemi. Steve Williams and Milton call on WMLP. They're coming off a win last week. Shikolemi call with the award-winning Kevin Herr, along with the coach Dick Hort, right here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. That'll be a 7 o'clock kick and a 6.30 airtime. Tomorrow, Eagle 107. Bucknell looks for its third straight win. They play at Colgate. The great Doug Bird song, along with Kevin Herr with the call on Eagle 107, 12.30 the airtime, 1 o'clock the kickoff from Hamilton, New York. Penn State football, that'll be coming up uh, tomorrow. 3.30 the kickoff, 2 o'clock the year time here on News Radio 1070 WKOK as the Nittany Lions play at Ohio State. Then on Sunday on Eagle 107, Eagles and Niners. And Sunday night on 100.9 the Valley, it'll be the Lions and the Steelers. So a big weekend coming up here on the Sunbury Broadcasting family of stations. All right, Neil Riddell. One of the best in the business, longevity, more so than anyone on the Penn State football writing uh, beat, uh, going back to his daily collegiate days. Neil, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Hey, Steve. Thank you. How are you? Well, I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. Okay, uh, you and I have watched uh, seasons play out this way before and then get to this this particular stage. So in what you've observed so far through the first seven games, what are the pros and some of the cons of what you're seeing with this particular team? Wow. Um, all pros, really. Um, you know, just would, there haven't been very many negatives at all as far as I'm concerned. Um, they've shown the ability to win different ways. Uh, I think the defense has been unexpectedly, at least to me, outstanding. Uh, that succeeded. I think it's been the most consistent uh, unit. I think we obviously expected the offense to do well, but you know they've been winning with defense. They've been winning with offense. They've been, you know, gotten great contributions from the special teams. Win a game in Indiana really set the table for that. They've been able to be tough in the clutch, like at Iowa when they had to drive down the field. Uh, McSorley, while he set the bar, I think, so high last year that even if he's only he, – at one point, he was, I think about a week ago, he was 65%, and, and but it looked like he was maybe more off than he had been, say, last year. Last year, he only completed 58%. So, I mean, the, 
the shadow that he's chasing obviously played a, a tremendous game. And, of course, we have a national story in Barkley. So I think it's just been a really fun year uh, unfolding um, as well as could be expected. What has it been like from your perspective to cover what Barkley has been doing? Um, the versatility that they have shown in you. I, I initially um, was against the idea of him returning kickoffs. I thought the the risk-reward you know, wasn't enough. Um, but you know, then he takes it back against Indiana, and, and it clearly looks to me, and uh, I'm sure you, Steve, you have such a, uh, a great... Uh, perspective on it, and even what you can't see with your own eyes, Jack, uh, the legend uh, of a teacher of the game that he is. It, it looks to me when Barkley gets his squ- shoulders squared, the, the, some of these defensive backs really want no part of him. You saw another one the other night of a kid that down inside the seven or eight yard line had a chance to tackle him and really didn't want any part of it. Um, so uh, the way they use him, even when teams are ganging up on him in the line of scrimmage, getting the ball in open space, I think has been uh, uh, a tribute to how do, how their offensive staff is functioning. How well do you know him just based on press conference interviews, based on post-game interviews? And is it more difficult in today's uh, culture, the way things are set up for the media, to get to know a player? Oh, 100%. Um, Steve, back in the day, uh, you and I probably dialed uh, you know, 865-4700 and were connected to the players. So if, if you asked for right. uh, you know, the general student operator, would connect you to the campus of players, the sports information not only didn't monitor what the interviews were, they didn't. You set them up on your own. Um, so there's more limited access to him. More limited access, I think. Uh, it's not like he's been available. Um, you know, when Arrington, uh, decorated personality, great player. I think he had a weekly press conference. He was on the weekly teleconference, uh, and it was pretty much a. Uh, a must for anybody on the beat. It's spread out now. It's a little more different. Uh, Barkley hasn't been on that many of them. I see he is available tomorrow night after practice for a few minutes, but um, I think they're balancing the national needs uh, with the local demand. So I can't say I know him that well. I do see a very humble kid, uh, team player, uh, obviously you know the greatest player uh, who's handled his success well. And plus they have the new rule in that every player must have a day off from everything. Mm -hmm. And that's the other part I don't think a lot of people realize. For example, I don't think Duke brought players to ACC Media Day because it was the designated day off. And it's like this the way it worked out. So who knows? It's uh, it's, it's different I can't imagine that went over real well. (laughs) Yeah, no, that went out terrific. Uh, Everybody in Brooklyn loved it. Well, Uh, especially because... They haven't even started playing yet, so what right. excuse do you have there? To me, um, you know, that was done because uh, of a coach in power who could do it. I don't know. Just hearing that rubs me a little wrong way for a media day event. If if you really believe that the, it should be about the players and the focus should be on them, then if you pull that kind of Anyway, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Neil, you're, you live in a really great sports area. I mean, they love the curve. They love the Steelers. They love Pitt football. They love Penn State football. What has, in the past 13 months, 
what has this particular team, Penn State, done to energize fans that in your area? Well, Penn State has always been, uh, you know, at, at the top of, of the list of passion. Uh, you know, just the, the the other night, you just can't duplicate that, uh, even even at a Steeler game. I mean, you have uh, thirty five thousand more people, um, or I guess it would be forty five thousand more people uh, at a Penn State game than you can get uh, at a Steeler game, right? Sixty five and one ten. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. Know, I know we didn't have to take a lot of math, but right, that, um, that's forty-five thousand. Yeah, good. <laughs> okay. Uh, but there is pit interest. Uh, you know, it's interesting going way back. Uh, and you know, Altoona Johnstown was stocking the rosters of Pitt and Penn State, um, and and Pitt was a real fertile. There were a lot of dentists here in Altoona uh, had connections to Pitt, and uh, Mike Ditka. If you look at his book, and Joe would always say that Ditka was his toughest recruiting loss where there were no letters and you had to, you know, pretty much you know, take look after a kid right up until the time he showed up on campus. And Ditka was playing in a in a baseball tournament, in an NABF tournament in Altoona, like in August. And you know, initially he wanted to be a dentist, and people said, "Well, how is he going to get his huge hands in anybody's mouth?" Um, <laughs> uh, but but his recruitment, by his own autobiography, changed in Altoona, where he came here, and a couple dentists uh, convinced him what kind of dental school Pitt had, and et cetera, et cetera, and whatever else they did, and he went to Pitt. Um, so there's always been a pretty good pit following here, but I think you look at the other night and you, there's so many Penn State fans. We have a we have a campus here. Uh, it's a very passionate interest. Obviously, at our paper, it's been a huge priority for uh, a long time. Uh, and I think when you look at there is pit interest, but right now they're selling two different products. They they, they just are. I mean, when you look at the atmosphere that Penn State has the other day compared to what his pit is struggling to get, uh, I think it's just two different type of programs. But there is pit interest here for sure, and I think there's a ton of Steeler interest because all the Penn State fans and Steeler fans, uh, or and Pitt fans, root for the Steelers or most. Uh, and of course, the curve has been uh, very, very well supported. Penn State will have the next big step, and that will be one that everyone knew was going to be a big step months ago when the schedule came out, and that's playing at Ohio State. What's your initial read on that game, Neil? You know, you uh, you go into a season, you make a prediction in August, and you know this year I, I said ten and two. Well, I've yet to come up with a loss, and I think you can make a case for both teams this week. So I'm going to go ahead and make a case for Penn State. Uh, so you know, I'm altering. I'm trying to alter the predictions to the storyline because I think Penn State has exceeded my expectations. I just wasn't sure if how well Penn State was going to be able to stop people. I thought Brandon Bell was so important to their defense the last couple of years, especially when he was healthy. And I wasn't sure how well they were going to be able to uh, replace you know, and the defensive ends and whatnot. So. Um, but, you know, I'm not sure how is if Ohio State is, ever since that Penn State loss last year, if they've been quite the same. I don't know how much J.T. Barrett, maybe he'll, maybe he'll prove this wrong, uh, 
how much better is he now than he was when he first kind of broke in? And, you know, you've seen some real uh, red flags for them. Now they've been scoring a lot better lately. Uh, but I think you can make a case uh, for Penn State in this game. You know, it's a red, it's a, uh, you have to be careful, nervous about the fact that. Ohio State's had a, uh, a bye week like Penn State had one last week, and Penn State coming off an emotional uh, night game, and Ohio State sitting back and taking notes. So uh, that would be an advantage to Ohio State. But I think the diversity of Penn State's offense, a program trending up, um, you know, I think that you it should be a great game. You and I, of course, lived through the poll system and saw how that played out for years. Then, of course, the BCS years. Now we're in the college football playoff years. Do you like this system, and if so, why or why not? You know, I do. I think it's an upgrade over uh, for what it used to be. How many Penn State teams have we seen that were uh, just left out or denied or, or even way back maybe made pick the wrong place to go? Um, and if maybe if it was monitored differently, um, it wouldn't have... Um, it might have been, you know, a chance to settle it on the field. So I, I think it's a step in the right direction for sure. I, I, I would not like to see it expanded a whole lot more beyond this. I think a lot of these kids, hey, let's face it, when we look at uh, the whole uh, dear old state and, uh, and uh, you know, it's the be-all, end-all like the other night, and it is these kids leave here and maybe they can never recapture the uh, the feeling that they had or, or the passion that everybody has for it but you know they're moving on to get to get paid and which is really what a lot of them you know want to do when they get to that level so uh, I think in December a lot of the kids are, are conflicted distracted uh, eager to move on get an evaluation maybe decide should I come back should I not to expand that another game to a quarterfinal level I don't know certainly uh, to, to expand it beyond eight I think would water it down completely you'd probably be in with nine, nine and three teams um, so I don't really like that. I think it's so meaningful now. Every game is so big. It's what makes the sport so great. Um, even though Penn State was left out last year, um, it still was a great year. And they still had a, a tremendous showcase in, in a bowl game. You know, there's still some other you know, the Rose Bowl was not really a consolation prize. And if it was a consolation prize, it was a heck of a good one. So I'm okay with the system. <laughs> Well, actually, I agree, I agree completely with that answer, Neil. I am not for going beyond four. I think the conference championship games to be are in some ways are a pseudo quarterfinal level anyway. And I, I, you know, sometimes less is more. Yes. And I would present this. Um, okay, the Penn State fans started chanting, "We want Bama" the other night. Well, uh, you know, obviously that may be at least one week premature. Uh, but it is as exciting and historical as that could be. Um, I wonder this. If Penn State ends up, say, two or three, uh, I guess it'd have to be two to be undefeated if it plays out that way. And mm-hmm. Alabama would be the first choice again, I, I would guess, in the Sugar Bowl again, right? Yeah. Okay. If, if Alabama's one, they would play whomever was four in the Sugar Bowl. Right. So that would send Penn State out to the Rose Bowl probably again to play whomever. Um, 
maybe Notre Dame. Who knows, right? right. Now, if it was right. Notre Dame, I guess it would be a different conversation. But if Penn State right. has to go to the Rose Bowl again and play maybe uh, Clemson, say Clemson was undefeated. I'm just trying to play this out. Right. Would, just, fans yeah, just play, be, yeah. would fans be as apt to run out there on January 1st where they just were, knowing that the team they really wanted to go see was playing the in the uh, in Atlanta against Alabama. So I, I think it's it's a tougher sell. And when you expand the playoffs to include maybe right. another layer of travel, it's all that much more challenging. And that and that you bring up a really good point because fans have to make these are not inexpensive trips. Fans exactly. have to make decisions sometimes based on budget. Okay, do I roll the dice here, and do I go there, or do I go here? It is, it's not as easy as people think it is. Right, and especially if you're on the West Coast, again, I think they're really going to have to lean on their West Coast alumni out there uh, if they end up in the Rose Bowl, uh, because I think a lot of people would be keeping their fingers crossed uh, on New Year's night saying, I, I want to go to Atlanta. I want to see them win the Rose Bowl game and, and go to right. Atlanta in, in a perfect world. Well, great to have you on again. It's great to hear you on the other end, Neil. I always appreciate the time we get to uh, spend together and talk. Thanks, Steve. You had some great games to call these last year and a half, that's for sure. There's people yeah, that don't go a career and get that many game-ending game, game ending situations that you've had. No, I've been. Uh, they've given me some great material to work with, and hopefully I've done it a little bit of justice. So, well, Appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. Neil Rodell, Altoona Mirror. Always great to catch up with him. Our thanks, by the way, to Bill Rabinowitz, Columbus Dispatch, the play-by-play voice of Ohio State football, Paul Keels, and Phil Steele for joining us today, along with Neil Rodell. Appreciate that very much. Hope you enjoyed it. The entire show, of course, brought to you by our good friends at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Stock up for the weekend now. That's Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. If you missed anything, check it out on the Steve Jones Show podcast. You can enjoy that, and we appreciate all the uh, people that have gone to the podcast. I had a lot of people mention, hey, I listen to it on the podcast all the time. We appreciate that very much. It's going to be a great weekend. Penn State football tomorrow. 3.30 the kickoff at Ohio Stadium in Columbus. Airtime set for 2 o'clock right here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. It's going to be a great sports weekend. Enjoy it. Great to have you with us on News Radio 1070 WKOK.